You're listening to Find the Good News, episode 23, The Way She Sees It, featuring Heather Arsamal. This episode of Find the Good News is sponsored by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. Check out our work at parkerbrandup.com. Would you like to help make sure I'm asking my guests the really good questions? Just visit findthegood.news and click the questions tab. I'll see if I can get your question dropped in the fishbowl. Each episode, my guests will dive deep, select three random questions, and if yours is selected, I'll ask it on the show. That's findthegood.news. The lovely thing about Find the Good News is seeing one guest lead directly to the next. Each visit, I get to catch a special glimmer in the eyes of the person across from me. And I know that means they've had that aha moment. They want to tell me about someone good in their life. That's exactly how I came to connect with conceptual photographer Heather Arsamal, through that golden thread that links one guest to the other. I like the magical idea of this unseen thread, and it's especially relevant in this conversation with Heather, as she has an affinity and eye for the fantastical herself. Heather looks around the southwest Louisiana landscape, and where we may just see a door, a tree, a rock, an empty lot, things that we blow by quickly, things to be barely considered. She sees the raw goods that, used in careful and creative combination, will come together to reveal a new reality. In this visit, for just a bit, I get to put on Heather's glasses. When you get to know someone, really spend a little time with them and ask essential questions, you can almost get a glimpse of the way they see things. You get to see all of the parts, the little thoughts, experiences, joys, worries, and struggles. You hear the moments in their history that, on the surface, may seem insignificant, but when placed together in concert, makes a more interesting individual. In that way, I'd say Heather is a lot like her works. Her interests and the detail of her life have a direct impact on the fine art that she produces. We had a lot in common, especially in the pop culture and entertainment arena, which just further illustrates how the ingredients of a life can blossom in entirely different directions to create unique people and works. I had a lot of fun talking to Heather. She is comfortable, friendly, kind. She reminded me that there's a world of wonder all around us, and sometimes it's just waiting to be revealed in the most ordinary places and things. If we could each see the world as Heather Arsamon sees it for a little moment each day, that could be all it takes to turn a bad day good and make a good day even brighter. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs 
that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm going to find the good. And I love you just as well. Obviously, when I, when I ask somebody to call on the show, if I, especially if I don't know them, because this is the first time we've met, I, I go and look at what kind of footprint they have online. And then I, when I went to look at your work, I said, oh, wait, I, I've seen your work. I didn't know if you'd seen it, so I actually brought a piece, and then I have just a book that I print test prints with. It's yeah. just my, it's nothing professional, white portfolio, quote unquote. That it's just test prints that, because I almost hate the digital because they're so different from seeing it online than seeing it in person. Yeah, right. No, you're right. Even though I do digital photography and a lot of stuff with Photoshop, it's just completely a different experience seeing it. In yeah. person versus online. I totally agree. That's the difference between going, you know, my wife and I were just talking about that this morning because I only just recently started using Instagram. And uh, honestly, one of the reasons I started using it was because I found that the audience for this show kind of seems to live there. And uh, I'd really not tiptoed into that world but getting into that world and looking at my own habits especially regarding photography i was like okay so what am i doing here how many times do i actually stop and really really deeply look at these images or how often do i just look at it and go oh that's cool and give it you know a double tap and give it you know a like Mm -hmm. and then go to the next thing so and then the other thing i questioned was how often am i really reading what people are writing. So I'm trying to actually slow down with that and use that tool a little differently. And uh, so I'm looking at the pictures and reading. So I'm trying to train myself to do more because there's so much, I guess, deeper content uh, than what I was realizing. I say all that to mean I still think seeing art and photography in person is totally different because you've you've got a different investment you know of your time you know when you go to a gallery especially if it's opening night or something like that you you've made the time you've taken the trip you're you're there so it's just a different um i don't know maybe awareness that takes place of what went into the art of the photography you're looking at what you do uh you you're in a i don't know what you'd call that type of photography maybe there's a term for it but um i call it conceptual photography okay right um, on fine art because you basically all fine art it the term fine art means that you're creating work for yourself okay you're not no one's commissioning you to do it you know you're just creating it for yourself now you can sell it i mean that's the ultimate goal eventually if you want to but you just started creating for yourself so that's all that that means it's just a fancy smancy term (laughs) conceptual photography yeah it's conceptual art yes yeah i think it's really cool because uh well when i first started looking at it i said to you and i uh and my wife and maybe your husband too uh we have a lot in common as far as what our interests are it looks like um especially like the fantasy world and the sci-fi and things that you're doing. I thought it was really fun. You did a series where you had like King Kong climbing a local building. So yes. tell, can you tell me about that? Yes. Like what, what inspired that? That inspired because I, if I had a dollar for 
every person that told me, you know, if you would just do Louisiana themed stuff, you yeah. could sell your work. Uh-huh. So I said, I got gotcha. you. I'm going to do Louisiana themed stuff. I'm going to go and take some pictures of some like landmarks that have been photo- um, you know, photographed yeah. millions of times, and I'm going to put my spin on it. Yeah. And I love movie posters. You know, one of my favorite things to do when I was uh, young was go to, um, was it Curtis Mathis? Yo, Curtis Mathis. Wow. Yeah, it was Curtis <laughs> and Mathis. And just, you know, look at the the covers, yeah. you know, and just, I just love doing that. Can I so. tell you something? I mean, not to segue too far off into this, but I, this is just the first time, or well, not the first time, but it's slowly starting to sink in on me how valuable something was in my life and i did not know it till i visited you just said that and then danny elaine who i just visited with said the same thing my dad opened a video store when i was in junior high school sixth grade and a lot of people who live around here remember bo's videos it was before there was like the big blockbusters and hollywood video and things like that but my whole junior high through high school life that's where i worked in the afternoons after school and on the weekends and all my friends worked there and you know we watched a lot of movies but more than that we had to clean those shelves constantly so the movie boxes were just like you said they were they were impacting me and i had no idea that they were but then you said it and danny said it too like that was art to, to well, it was I like a think gallery. It impacts my work a lot because when you're looking at a cover for a movie, you have to get that whole story. They have to convey the whole story to sure. suck you in from just that movie poster. Yeah. And I think that reflects a lot about my work. I'm trying to tell a story. Yeah. Through one image. Yeah. What's happening in here? Who is this person? What's this right. environment? And it could right. be, you could interpret it a completely different way than I intended it, which is fine. But, you know, it's it's all about telling a story. Yeah. I could see that. And you, you're doing a lot of uh, Photoshop work, it seems like, too, where you're blending two things together, which I really love that. I love seeing the components and how... It's compositing, yeah. Yeah. Term or whatever. Yeah, right. I love composites. I love, I love seeing it, and then I love going back and looking at all the elements that you brought in. And what's cool, it seems like, is you're able to, as a photographer, you're going out and taking shots and kind of creating your own elements. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one piece in particular, and I don't know the name of it, but it was like a white wolf or a wolf in front of a, um, in like in the snow or. Yeah, yeah. That's actually Sam Houston Park. Is it? Is the um, is the background? That's him, Sam Houston Park. Um, it's a trail that i've photographed a million times in a million different ways because it's pretty cool and it's um you know the quartz uh like shards of quartz rocks that Uh you know people usually wrap wrap for jewelry or whatever yeah well my kids had some so i took pictures of it and i created the ice castle with those oh wow okay so i build it up like that in the computer and then i made it snow and and all that it definitely sets your work apart i mean that to me after you do that for a while and maybe you can answer this i I, you know we work in sort of a creative industry as well and um it does make you process the world a little differently through your eyes and so i imagine for you when you're working on pieces like that you're probably looking around at everything as a um as an element of design so to speak Yes, like, I don't know if uh, this piece right here, I mean, I know you can't 
We can always take a picture yeah, of them and put yeah, it online, yeah, which, like, of course, we just sent pictures of pictures, don't we? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, um, the piece of the, it looks like a geisha girl in front of a tree with it's snowing. Yeah. That tree is actually in the empty lot across the street from the Frosty Factory. Okay. And I live in the neighborhood near there, so I passed it almost every day. And and there's something about that tree, It just the way that it, the the branches bent down uh-huh. i was like that looks like icicles to me yeah so i took a picture of it and then i took a picture of me separately in my backyard because underneath the tree was a whole bunch of bushes and stuff and i was like snakes no <laughs> i am not going there so i took a picture of me separately in my backyard and i composited it together and then i made it look like it was a winter scene it's very interesting i mean and not to dive off to get too heavy too fast, but what you're saying reminds me of um, this Buddhist monk that I really like reading his work is uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, and he he's a poet and an incredible thinker and teacher. But one of the things that he talks about a lot is um, interbeing, and in that he talks about how you can look at a tree in the winter, but when you look at it in the winter, even though there may be no leaves on it. If you see the true nature of the thing, you do see the leaves. And, and what he means, as I understand it, is not that you actually see the leaves physically there, but you understand that they will be there. So because they will be, they kind of already are. The process is already there. And, and it sort of reveals the beautiful nature of a thing uh, full scope instead of just like seeing it only in the, the way it is at that moment your your ability to look at that tree and see something else in a way you're you could really probably look at that at different times in your life and see something different each time and re take new pictures and put a whole new piece together yeah 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 sort of kind of cracking open the the beauty of something beyond what we drive by every day it's a trash tree as far as i know i don't know what kind of tree it is well how many people disregard could just drive by and disregard that tree you know for some reason it has uh caught your eye and then your ability to see what it really could be Mm -hmm. and then take your talents and crack that open that's kind of a beautiful thing so where does this start for you i mean when you did you intend to become a photographer? I mean, is that how your your path started? You go, I love photography. I'm interested in it. Or what led you to that? Um, it was kind of weird how I fell into it. My husband was a photographer uh, in college. And yeah. he helped um, with the yearbook and stuff like that. So he had an old, like the first digital Canon camera. Okay. When, right after, right when yeah. it came out. like okay. Yeah, that's yeah. what he had. That transition. And so. I had my daughter and I decided I wanted to take some like baby pictures of her, of her and they were horrible. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to learn how to do this. So I started doing the typical flowers and, you know, like you do when you're trying to learn sure, your camera. Sure, still and life and like, practicing, yeah. I was like, no, this is not me. So I took a whole album of music. Yeah. And I took each song. Uh-huh. And I did a picture based on each song. Okay, you let the music inspire Yeah, you. Okay. yeah, basically. So I did like a, I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't know it was a thing, but I did a conceptual (laughs) picture of each one. And I don't have that many friends. I mean, I have one friend that let me take pictures of her and she's beautiful. But when I want to take a picture at three o'clock in the afternoon, 
who do what model right, do I finding have? Finding subject matter. Yeah. It's me. So I'd use myself. So okay. that's how it started. So that's how I became a self portrait photographer. Self portrait photography. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah. I didn't know it was a thing either, but it I is a just thing. learned that from you. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing. So a self portrait photographer. Yeah. That's interesting. So you're your own model. Is that how you still do most things? Yes. Um, yes. A 90% is me. I use my daughter a lot because she just let, you know, lets me to practice if I want to practice something. And, um, also, but I recently collaborated with one of your other guests, Lydia Walls, and, um, she gave me a poem and she said, I love your work. Uh, you know, when I think about this poem, I think about, you know, your type of style. Do you want to collab? Yeah. And so I was super nervous because I don't like working with other people because I only have myself to, uh, impress basically, you uh-huh. know, my you know, you're not so, doing it for others. You're doing yeah, it for yourself. Yeah. And if others like it, then... Yeah, that's fine. So I was super, super nervous at first. But when we got to the place, like, I drew out, like, what I thought, you know, might would go with it. And Really? We, okay. Yeah, we drew out. We met. At, had coffee. We met. We talked. And I was like, you know, and we talked about it, stuff like that. And she went home, drew it out. And she's like, yes, that's it. When I got to the location, all, just, it went beautifully. Where did I y'all mean, shoot that at? There is a wooded field behind a crawfish place down Highway 14. Okay. Yeah, that's that's where we did that. Something we drop people drive by every day. Yeah, again. it's getting harder and harder to find wooded locations. No, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but um, and you know places that maybe you know you don't want to trespass on. Sure. You know no, what I'm saying? So yeah, you know yeah. just. This, this, they don't use it for anything. It's huge. I mean, it's acres and acres and acres of woods. Right. So we did it there, and um, it just was easy, and she was a dream to work with, and we just were like kindred spirits, you yeah. know? She, Those pictures actually stood out to me. I remember seeing those, and then that's kind of when she brought your name up. I go, oh, I, I remember those pictures because they were. They're really stunning. And I thought they were just, I don't know, eye-catching and something about, you know, actually, well, I did say something to her. I thought she was smoking. <laughs> and she said, oh, no, that was my breath. It mm-hmm. was cold, apparently. No, that's Photoshop. Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I, I, well, okay, that's even more impressive. I didn't realize that. So I, was, so I, I didn't even ask her. She said it was my breath. And I went, oh, must have been cold yeah. out. And I thought yeah. that was really pretty fascinating. She, her in the woods was is it's real there like we shot it in location at location sometimes i shoot the location separate and me separately and put it together that's much harder to yeah, do yeah the lighting changes and yeah, yeah. It's, but um and i'm a natural light photographer and i don't use any lighting and i try to shoot you know when it's cloudy outside that way i don't have to worry about all that yeah you don't have hot you spots know, and things like yeah, that just very even lighting and i can add lighting and post and um like that piece I think I worked on that about not not counting shooting time because that was like 10 minutes we're out really yeah I mean wow. I shoot for one picture I'm not like your typical photographer that shoots f- different mini poses I know exactly what I want I'm gonna shoot that pose that's it yeah okay. so my average shooting time is 10 to 15 minutes like oh done. Wow. got the yeah. shot done let's go you yeah. know so I got home I worked on it about four to six hours 
okay post work in that that's really not a long time i mean to for what it turned out like i mean i think i would a lot of people would be surprised to hear that i am i thought <laughs> it, it looks like you have more time in it yeah and i get um what's the word like you know just in a zone like yeah. i don't want to stop i don't want to eat i don't want to go to the bathroom i don't want to you know do anything so if yeah. i'm gonna do something i have to have plenty of time to edit because i won't stop and my husband's like yeah are you gonna eat supper and i'm yeah. like eh, eh, no i don't want to understand wanna... that it's like <laughs> what is that because i understand that and everybody that does a trade or a craft has that zone that they get in um I've gotten into that place several times, but there are particular things here that are like that for me. For me, uh, logo designs that way. Usually I sink in and I'm, I don't really, I don't like to be interrupted. I do get interrupted, but I get into a space where I'm like, I know what I need to do. And it goes very quickly. Everything just seems to fall in line once, especially once I find my stride. And then it's like the whole world tunes out. I think you know? it's like almost your you know what's the word euphoric, euphoric yeah. you know and i'm saying it's almost like you're on a you're in a high kind yeah. of you know non-drug non-alcoholic sure. you know like high you're drilling i mean as soon as i get my i get an idea i get my camera out my adrenaline is just pumping yeah so your brain's firing off it's, it's clear yeah. you know what you want to do mm -hmm. isn't that something i mean there's so many things in the world you can tell when someone's had that space because it just works out i uh I, I often wonder if that isn't, I don't know, you could say, I guess we could say it's just chemical, but for me, there's a spiritual aspect to it. There's something else going on there. I, I used to go do these talks with design students. I haven't done one in years, but I've, and I've talked about this on the show quite a bit, but I, I have this belief that uh, creativity is like a force. You know, you probably heard mm -hmm. if you listen to it, mm -hmm. it's like a force, like love or anything else. And, um, it's outside of us, but it's inside of us too. And so for me, I can tell when I've kind of uh, like two little, almost like a little waterway. You know, you see these little pictures of like a big river, but then there's like this little tiny waterway snaking out and making all these little curves to get somewhere. For me, it feels like that. Like I, my little tiny creativity is like worming its way towards this big river. And then when it connects to it it just sort of becomes a part of that stream you know and you can just feel it something is different and maybe there's arguments to say that's just chemical but i don't know i tend to feel like something else happens i don't know something connects for me outside of my mind it's just a, a heart thing i don't know it sounds like you kind of get into that same that, the same river <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a different plane like yeah. don't talk to me don't bother me don't don't just like i'm in the zone like yeah so it sounds like all this happened fairly quickly for you then so you you your husband was a photographer you start taking pictures and you're going i like this i have a knack for this are you formally trained in any way or no, is this all self-taught completely self-taught i've been working with photoshop for a very long time just on your own right yes like just outside like for, of before even before i did photography okay. i would play because he yeah. had it okay so i just taught myself right so i would just play and do graph do fun graphics put sure. my friends faces and britney and britney spears body yeah. and just messing around just with it but around. you learn how to tighten the screws with that yeah, yeah I so get you. i knew it already and um yeah so I, i've had a lot of experience and what's 
difficult Photoshop, and you probably know, is there's like 15 different ways to do one thing. Sure, everybody's got their own little way. It's like weird, you know? Yeah. (laughs) You know, talking about that, about working in Photoshop, I recently, with one of my coworkers, um, we were talking about a project, and she was having some difficulty kind of executing what I had asked to be done. And so... I went inside her desk and we did sort of like a little 10 minute tutorial and I didn't want to do the work because if you do it, you're not passing it on to somebody and we're on a team. So it's very important that that gets shared. And so, you know, I, um, sat down and I kind of showed her the way I would do it. And what I realized in that, and this is no slide on the, on the designer. I mean, we're on the same team, so we're definitely, I want to make sure it's clear that I support this person, but it was like, wow she said, I would have never done it that way. I would have thought to do it that way. And that works really good. And it makes me, made me realize how often we don't share our processes, you know, uh, with other people and how valuable it is. Just that little 10 minutes that we spend in there. She'll use those same combinations of things I did now in her other designs and maybe take those in new directions. And I thought, you know, how, how much value is there in that little, those little tricks that I've learned or discovered by accident messing around, like you said, sticking people's faces on other things or trying to make a lightning bolt really look like it's coming out of a cloud or maybe like you do making lids breath, you know, knowing that that's digitally placed in there. Sharing that stuff is just incredibly valuable. And as I was, I say all that because I was looking through um, a lot of the links that you share. And one of them was uh, a comment about that. You'd shared something that said that you look at other artists as your competition or your inspiration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, that that says a lot about you that you shared that because I'm assuming you feel like other artists are your inspiration. Yes. That is one thing that I'm consciously is on social media because I know how hard it is being an artist and being a local artist. And, you know, most artists are pretty shy and, you know, not sure. very outgoing people. So I'm consciously trying to share other people's work. Yeah. Because, you know, it'll it's just hard. It's yeah. hard to get your stuff out there. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's weird because we have <clears throat> all these tools now. And at the same time. It's like, I don't know. The only way I can think about it is like dumping a, a, everybody's got a marble, you know, and a different color marble and they're all pretty, but then you dump them into a big barrel together and shake them up. And it's like, well, where's mine? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what it feels like sometimes with social media, because now there's so much of it. You know, Danny and I were kind of talking about that. We're, you know, not in the nineties, uh, before the internet really had taken hold i mean like it was a part of life it wasn't a part of everyday life for everybody so to just be seen you had to show your work physically to somebody or get in a gallery or really push it in a whole different way and uh i don't know it kind of goes back to what you were saying about showing physical pieces i mean in a way that can be a lost a lost art art i mean it could be a lost art in and of itself just making the time to put together pieces that are going to be shown physically i think we're lucky though in, in this area because we do have galleries and we do have museums and things like that that are that spaces to show our work and you'll do have a pretty tight there's a pretty strong art collective it seems like are you involved in any uh collectives um, 
Um, I was. Um, it had, it, you know, I was with Southwest Louisiana Art, and it kind of, you know, had to dissolve. But, you know, I've shown in the, at the Henning House, which oh, yeah. is... I love that gallery. Um, I do too. I, I love that gallery. I like that and, space a lot. And they've been very, you know, open, you know, because my stuff is a little, little wacky. So that fits into their chaos theory yeah. show. It yeah. seems like I, I was, yeah, I was, I was in K. I did the King Kong and the yeah. Knock Nest Monster, um, the Border Lock Monster. Yeah, the Border Lock. I love, I love that piece actually. So uh, I, that was at uh, Chaos Theory, um, but yeah, and I did have a solo show um, really? last year. Yeah, at the um, the gallery and uh, Central School, the okay. Art Associates Gallery. Yeah. So I'd over. That's downstairs, right? Uh, no, it's upstairs. upstairs? That's okay. the last gallery, the opposite oh, to the yeah. Mardi Gras I got Museum. You. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking 1911. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think I might have seen your work there, too, because I used to go up there quite a bit. I had like 24 pieces to um, in that show, so that was that was quite daunting. But um, yeah, I mean, we have those two galleries, but other than that... Yeah. I mean, as far as local work, I see a lot of local restaurants and places like that that do display local work, too. Yeah, I've done... I did uh, Stellar Beans once, you yeah. know, stuff like that, but... Um, How effective is that for you, that type of thing, those little galleries? Um, as far as getting your name out there and... and do you receive... My question, I guess, is just narrowly is, do you f get feedback from those galleries? Do you go, oh, someone contacted me because they saw my work here in these when it's in a restaurant or a public space like that? Not really. I, uh, I sold one piece when I, when it was at Stellar Beans um, because a wife really wanted a piece and her husband was smart and bought it for her. Um, <laughs> So, but other than that, I really haven't had much luck. And, and I've also found that like a solo show versus like a show with a lot of different artists, you're going to do better at the lot of different artists. Really? Shows. Now, why is that? Because when it's a solo show, who's going to show up is going to mostly be your friends, families. I see. And, and they are know, already colleagues. exposed to your art. Exactly. Gotcha. So okay. if you have a gallery like Henning House where they're doing like works of women for instance sure. which I've been in several times um you've got you know friends the other artists friends family members and cousins and stuff and they might see your piece and they might like it you know so it's much you know it's kind of weird but it's the opposite yeah that, no you I know, get it and I'm happy I know it You've probably heard me mention filming videos, building websites, creating logos, or building brands on this podcast. Well, there's a good reason for that. I'm a brand builder, and my brand is Parker Brand Creative Services. My team and I have built countless brands in the Gulf Coast region, and a lot of our work in the travel and tourism industry is experienced across the country, and honestly, the whole world. We have our specialties, web, logo, package, and whole brand design, as well as video production and photography. But the reality is we function as a full service advertising agency to businesses that don't really mesh well with larger advertising agencies or just don't want to have in-house creative departments. But don't listen to what I say. Just go to our website, parkerbrandup.com, and take a look at what we do. We're a show it, don't say it team. Okay, you should definitely say it too, but you know what I mean. That's parkerbrandup.com. We think sideways, we push forward, and we'll get your brand up. So take this, you've earned it, a melody and chorus. It does make sense. I mean, 
I like going to shows where it's just one person. I do. But uh, I also like the collectives, too. I mean, I can see what you mean because you're getting up cross-pollinating and you discover yeah. something. You're going, oh, I didn't. I've never seen their art. Yeah, makes perfect sense. I mean, sense. it's a great honor to have a solo show. You sure. know what I'm saying? I mean, it's it's it was a juried process, and you know it was a great honor, you know. And um, you know, I had I had a, a good show up, but it was mostly my friends and family. And I realized, oh well, duh. Well, that makes sense, you know. Sure. It's gonna be you know at a group show, and there's gonna be a lot more people that's gonna come. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think um, as far as being an artist, a photographer? I mean, it. Well, let me back up. It's interesting because there you're not a portrait photographer Mm -mm. and i I actually like that because there are a really and i don't mean this as a slight to portrait photography because there's some wonderful portrait photography but there is a lot of it in Mm -hmm. um any community not just here but everywhere and i think some of that is because of uh just access to equipment and information prices have really changed in what you can accomplish with uh, prosumer level gear mm-hmm. and you can get an education online for 20 bucks you can get i on. don't even have pro gear really no i should, i really don't um i mean well, what do you mean well, what's what i you? have a, a canon uh t3i yeah uh, um it's four which is they're like down like eight now i think is the model sure. and uh it's a crop sensor yeah you know pro level is going to be your full sensor like 5d something yeah, like that, yeah 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 so i don't even have you know a two three thousand dollar camera i know? gotta back you up on that because let me tell you this is an interesting subject for me because we shoot video and we take we do photography but it's mostly commercial photography but when i'm i've got a bunch of t2i's and i use those for my video projects as my you know c and d cameras but sometimes i'll throw that t2i and put a lens on there with, and put a handle on it and an eyepiece with a microphone and i'll come back here to start editing and the footage from that is the footage that I like the best. It looks, I'm a natural light. I like, I too also like to shoot in natural light and play with the sun and, you know, times a day, things like that. And I find that I like that stuff better. There's something, I don't know, it's not as clean. It's, it's, it just looks more human to me. It doesn't look as tailored. And I don't, I mean, I, I go, hey, ultimately, what does the viewer think? You know, like when I when I watch it or I show it some somebody some uh, documentary or something I've done, I'll go, "What do you think about that?" They never go, "Oh, I can tell you." They're not sitting there going, "Oh, I can tell you shot that with this camera." Oh, that must have been the five D. Oh, that was the the C one hundred. You know, and you're going, "They can't tell." Then you don't want them to. It's all seamless. You want it to not look. You want them to feel something, not pick it apart technically i think we can get caught up in that too much like i guess the term is gearheads where it's just like you gotta have the best piece of gear and i don't know and i hate change so honey let me have my teeth you know until it just falls to the floor and breaks you know what i'm saying sure so i love it my husband did have to give me a new tripod this year because my other one was the one that he was using in college yeah and i still kept it because i'm like you never know Sure. You know? <laughs> I'm the same way with gear, old gear especially. I would even say a lot of my camera gear is probably, to some people, it's probably dated. But I don't know. There's something about, and everybody says think outside the box. But 
and I guess coming at it from like a mindfulness what perspective and an awareness perspective and, and just trying to focus in on something, I'm starting to find that I prefer I can be more creative inside the box. Uh, I guess lately I've been writing haiku poetry. <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. I I'd never really in my life never really stopped to pay attention to it. I've heard it and mm-hmm. what have you. But I'm, I bring that up to say there's a box with haiku poetry mm-hmm. you have a specific form that you have mm-hmm. to follow i find that as i stay in that box my mind just cracks open and I'm, I'm able to pour more into this little these three little sentences someone else might say but i want to write i have so much more to say mm-hmm. which i guess would be i have a bigger camera i have a better camera yeah. i have a better lens i have a better tripod I've got a crew <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, but here's three little lines that you can think on and meditate on. And I don't know, something clean about it. Mm-hmm. So I guess in a way it's similar to what you're saying. I mean, you, you have a tool and you're going to use that tool to its maximum ability. And within that one thing, you can be infinitely creative. That's pretty amazing. You can almost get gridlocked if you have too many things. I could use an assistant though. Yeah, just some hands. <laughs> just some hands. Just all, I know. <laughs> I know. Can you carry that chair, please? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> That's the only difficult part about being by myself, shooting by myself, is being by myself, you know? Yeah. Having to drag all the gear, you know, wherever I need to be, and then, you know. Yeah. You ever feel like, though, sometimes there's, like, a little bit of peace about it? Like, have you ever been to a shoot, and you, you know, yeah, you... If you're like me, my anxiety gets up a little bit when I'm on a shoot, not like from a fear level, but just like, okay, I've got to get this ready and get that ready and bring this out there and that out there. And then you've got to compose yourself and get back into the frame of mind to actually do the shooting part. And you know what I mean? It's almost like two different spaces. I'm in workhorse mode and now I'm in shooting mode. No, because my adrenaline starts pumping the minute I walk out, I shut the door of the vehicle okay. or in my backyard. Cause I've done a lot of stuff in my backyard okay. or even, you know, just around the house because I don't have a studio. I don't yeah. have any, everything's just, everything though. is my studio. Like everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm lugging a bunch of stuff out to God forsaken places to do shoots. Huh? <laughs> Sometimes chairs and, and if I need to balance on something or if I'm bringing props or, yeah. you know, things like that, that I need Do the to. people you shoot, though, um, if, if there are people, it sounds like, well, really, maybe there's not a lot of people, there's right? No it's, yeah, so it's you. You're, you're doing... It's just me. So the project with Lid was kind of unique then. Very unique. I to, pre- to prepare for my solo show, I needed money. Yeah. Okay. Because it's very expensive to print art. Sure. Okay. So I did do some fantasy like things with some little girls. I don't know if any if you saw that. I didn't on, see it, but I'm uh, with, we can put a with link unicorns to it. and stuff. So I basically um, had some unicorns. I shot them in like a wooded area and then put put them in pretty princess dresses and. You know, had them out there, and then I composited the unicorn, and then kind of made it look like a painting almost, yeah. you know? And I did sell a few of those, and I did some uh, Little Red Riding Hood things. Okay, theme things, fairy so like tale type. Fairy tale type things, and I did that specifically to raise money to be able to buy my art to do the solo show. Gotcha, okay. So, you know, it's, you, yeah. 
that's expensive. Yeah. So I had so I had to kind of branch out to do a little bit. But that stuff, I I love doing it and editing is my jam. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But I find myself get really bored when I do the same thing over and over and over again. So I did like three unicorns and I was like, "You're done, done." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So I gotta I gotta branch out creative do you just let yourself get inspired and go do a shoot or do you plan it out and go hey i want to do a series about xyz and then you kind of have the thought ahead of time and start planning those shoots i know that i have to do um something whenever i can't stop thinking about it Mm. so if i'm in the shower or about to go to sleep and i have an idea hit me i don't necessarily write it down sometimes i do but if i think about it and two weeks later i'm still thinking about it yeah it's it's gotta happen yeah i understand that okay yeah i wonder because see uh, i guess unfortunately i don't do as much art as i used to um because of really the nature of what we do here is sort of deadline based so a lot of our time gets consumed creating commercial work but i do know back when i was illustrating more i did have this feeling something would sort of spark an idea and i'd go and i remember the last thing i did that way was years ago uh it was this little monster series i'd done and uh it, it came from a conversation a friend of mine made up a creature in his head it was a blend of these three mythical creatures and i was like i want to draw that so i went and drew it and then i was like that was kind of fun i think i want to take other things like and go what happens if you blend frankenstein and a pig (laughs) and what happens if you blend an alligator and a crawfish you know and you and it would just mash up monsters and uh so i did that until it was sort of done and it was a weird other somebody just a conversation that inspired it so i just wonder like where that comes from for you is it sort of similar it's just like something just like you drive by that tree and you're like ooh that's kind of cool do you ever go i think i want to do a series of these things these tree forgotten trees or something series? i see that's the thing that i really struggle with and if you're an artist you're supposed to do a series especially if you want to work with galleries which i'm really trying to branch out you know into like other cities and stuff and work with galleries is you have to do a series well once again that's doing similar pieces mm. back to back to back and i don't know it's, yeah. it's hard for me. I just wonder. Using the same props, you know, maybe that because, you know, sure. yeah. It'd be kind of cool. I mean, just brainstorming out loud with you, listening to what you have done and the way you work. I think it would be cool. I could see you doing something like you talked about taking those pictures of those crystals mm-hmm. and going, I'm going to do, you did the winter piece. What would it be like to do a summer piece or you know, different colored crystals and go, I'm going to do a whole series of these and make it maybe change the temperatures and the environment. I don't know. I just wonder about that kind of thing. Everybody's different though. You know what? Sometimes you catch a spark and you got to go with the fire it makes, you know, until it's burned out. See, like my solo show, um, it, it had a common theme, but it wasn't less. Now my color palette is going to like, cause you're going to know, like my color palette is very similar. You know, I'm pretty consistent there. I notice as I'm getting older, my color palette is getting darker. Really? I don't know what that means. But, like, that was um, basically about what it's like to have Asperger's. Because I do have Asperger's. Really? And so, and, and 
I daydream a lot, you know, and that's how I come out, come up with like um, a lot of my pieces. So it's basically about that. So it's okay. basically about living with Asperger's and the daydream really? world that that I that I live in. I don't know much about Asperger's. It's harder to diagnose a female. Um, you know, with, with Asperger's, it's a processing, a brain process. Okay. Like, process things a little bit different. Like, um, I was extremely nervous whenever I was here and I was... When you on, got here today? Yeah, when I got here today and I was like about to have an anxiety attack. But change is extremely difficult for me. Okay. Um, so just making know, the decision to come do this show could potentially like be anxiety inducing yeah yeah oh, and gotcha. just like okay. meltdown crying because it's a big change is that yeah, what it yeah, is yeah well okay. it's a, a new experience yeah, it's very... on the autistic spectrum so the the asperger's is a little bit more of like an old school term but i actually got diagnosed the same time my son did really so your son also yes okay Yeah, so, but he's a little bit different than me. He, of course, I'm an adult, and I've learned to, you know, um, adapt, you know, in the world. But I still have difficult problems. But he's a little bit, um, little bit um, harder, you know, for him to process things. And how old's your son? He's 14, and he's a really good artist. Really? Do Mm -hmm. you feel like that, I mean, I don't know this, does that have anything to do with it? Like, does that, do you feel like that... um Asperger's like uh, structures your thinking a certain way to where you can produce art or you can think artistically in some ways or does it have anything to do with it at all? I don't think it has to do with art specifically, but I think it has to do with being able to focus on one thing. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like being like almost obsessive. You know, yeah, it's you got to kind of finish a thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, get in yeah. It and get like, it yeah. Like I get obsessed about like a, um, a lot of things, and I have to do like a research about everything, you know. And you're just gonna, yeah, you can block out the world. You yeah. Know, that, yeah, and is he like that as well? Is that kind of the same thing? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to do with art. It could do with a lot of things. I mean, sure. you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it does play into it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, that's interesting. Do you think art's helpful? In that regard, like, does it give you something to focus on? Like, is it a, a relief to have yes. art and a project in front of you? I'm just, I really don't know a lot about it. Yeah, so. yes, it um, it helps a lot. Um, I do get to where I get so stimulated, you know, that you know, if I do too much of it back to back to back, I have to to take a break. You know what I'm saying? But then it almost like I go into like a little depression for a while. You really? Know? After you finish a project? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's not one right takes, in front of you too. No, oh. it just takes so much out of it's you. taxing. Like yeah, it just, it I takes gotcha. so much because you're so far. I mean, when I'm saying the dr- the adrenaline is going, the adrenaline is going, you know, yeah. like bam, the heart's beating, the adrenaline, and you're just like, boom. Yeah. Yeah. I guess... I don't want to pretend to understand Mm -hmm. fully, but I can relate to what you're saying, even though I don't, I guess, don't have that kind of diagnosis. But uh, the taxing feeling like here in our profession, I'll do a job and it takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort. I mean, just day in and day out and it's the same project and you, you do this big push and then you get to the end of it and uh it's finally approved and launched i do i feel like it's like it took something from me 
the hard thing with this is that there's something right behind it. It's like the train cars in, in this industry. Everything's connected to the next thing. And so there's no time to recuperate. And after you do that for too long, I could say it definitely makes you weary. It's strange, too, because it's not like a physical weariness, but mentally weary uh, in a lot of ways. And I I've, will actually feel myself getting physically uh, weaker. Mm-hmm. and tired her and i'm like what's going on and i know it's kind of like a computer that's just been turned on too long i'm like it's just too many too many creative projects on too fast too hard of a timeline back to back to back to back and it just starts taking something from you strange do you ever experience that because that's kind of the feeling like when you finish yeah and and just being around people <laughs> really is that is that difficult yeah just yeah it can be it could be like if I have to go somewhere where there's a lot of people, it's just it's it's it's, ugh, it's just too much stimulation. Like if yeah. too many, like if I go to a restaurant, for instance, sure. There's this one restaurant in town. I love it. I don't even know if I want to say the name. Well, but you it's love a, it. So, I love I mean, it. It's, it's not amazing. Their, yeah. You know, it's Tijuana's. But do you know how like the building is long and narrow? Long and narrow. Well, when you get in there and it's packed which usually it is because it needs to be because it's amazing and then you got everybody talking yeah and I, it's like nails on chalk i understand i actually do understand there like, i love that place that's yeah. one of my, that's my wife's favorite restaurant well hey shout and out to you <laughs> yeah really it's like she made a list and she's like it's that place or another place that's her favorite yeah but it's i get that feeling too and i'll tell you why i have a different kind of ailment i'm deaf in my left ear and I'm not 100%. I probably have 5% hearing left in my left ear. I'll say that again, left in my <laughs> left ear. But it sounds like when I plug up my right ear, I, the way I can describe to somebody is, is like, it's like I hear people talking in the office next door to me. I can't understand what they're saying, but I know they're talking. So that's what that sounds like. What has happened over the years as it's gotten worse is... My whole world exists sort of on the front right of my body. Everything I'm hearing, there's no stereo. So when I go to a restaurant like Tijuanitas, and it's a long shotgun type building, and the way the seating is, and again, I'm saying this lovingly because we love the place and the food, but for me, my whole world gets consumed by who's sitting next to me. And so I can be with my family, and my wife's like, how are you... (laughs) You're paying attention to what's going on there. And I said, it's not that I even want to. I'm having to look at everybody at my table and I'm sort of getting, I get frustrated. I feel Mm -hmm. anxious because I can't really be present at the table I'm at. I'm present at somebody else's table. It's a strange thing, but it's been going on for years. And only in the last few years have I started to really analyze this this sort of rat in a cage feeling. I'm like, a lot of this just comes from my hearing and I didn't realize where it was coming from. So, yeah, I get it. Large groups of people, because I can't hear, is not enjoyable for me. It, I feel anxious, and it's mainly because I'm frustrated because I can't. I'm reading lips, and I'm catching pieces. So I understand. In that place, it's funny because I have the same. <laughs> it's weird. But the other thing about that, too, beyond hearing and, and, and what you just described, a lot of people who've come on this particular show have had the same conversation about being anxious in crowds or in groups and being anxious with change um being nervous about one-on-one like this 
And you know, what I find is every one of these people is doing something great in the community. So they're over, y'all are all still doing good stuff. I'm amazed by that because that fear or that anxiety could be completely debilitating. You could just say, I'm not doing this. It makes me anxious and just don't do it. But you still do it. I can talk about my art all day long till I'm blue in the face, but I cannot do small talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, like how's, how's the weather? The weather? Yeah. Or what are you, how's them cowboys? Ooh, no, saints. Ooh, sorry. How's them saints? <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Anyway, um, you know, that is very difficult for me. And because I have, for a girl my age, I have such unusual interests. How old are you? I'm 42. 42. Okay. You okay. Do, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say this. <laughs> I would have never guessed that. I that surprises me. Okay, good genes. But um, <laughs> I have like unusual interests. So my husband's almost like the people don't even know I have a wife, but I do because I don't want to go <laughs> to like any of the uh, you know like dinners and stuff with other couples because I'm like, well, what am I going to talk about? Small because, talk. Yeah. Yeah. I just like I like you know like I'm a big geek, like super nerd. You yeah. know, like, I like superheroes, and I like movies, you know, but, you know, fantasy movies, you know, action movies, sure. things like that, you know. I feel you. I'm with you on You know, that. Game of Thrones, yeah. you know, and just all that type of thing. And it's just, I'm not really into shopping and just all this, you know, type girly stuff. Sure, I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, I was a real big tomboy when I was little, and, yeah. you know... I get that. And I got to say, that's kind of, that sounds a lot like my, my wife. She and I like have a similar tastes in, in films and, and entertainment and things like that. And uh, we don't go out with a lot of couple, couples. Now, I might be speaking out of turn and saying she might, she might want to, and I just don't know it. <laughs> but, you know, we don't do that a lot. And the people that we do go with are people we know. And so the, the small talk is not there. You know, which I like. I had a conversation with a a friend I haven't talked to in probably three years. Just a couple of days ago, he called me because I'd interviewed somebody on the show that we both were friends with at a period in our life. Now, we haven't talked in years, but when we got on the phone, there was zero small talk. And he literally said what you're talking about. He said, I love this. He's like, you know, we don't talk for years and when we get on the phone, we don't go, so how's the wife? How's the kids? Mm-hmm. We eventually got to that information, but it was like no time had passed. And I thought, how refreshing is that, you know, to have that, uh, just friends like that, that you're going, there's just sort of a foundation there. We don't need to have this sort of empty chit chat. You know, we can talk about real stuff like right out the gate. I, I prefer that any day of the week. And so I get it. The fear of, I, I don't like that either. I love meeting new people, but to go to, I don't know. I don't know what it is for me. I'm, I'm not big on this the teensy tiny sort of pillar talk. The funniest thing is that, you know, my husband is the complete opposite. He's the social butterfly and, you know, <laughs> can talk to anybody at any time in any town. And he knows everyone. Really? <laughs> we went to Nashville and he knew someone. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, go out of town and you run into somebody, somebody you know. Somebody you know. So, you know, like, so I'm, 
which is good in a way. So if we do go somewhere, I can, can kind of let him take the lead, and I'm just in the corner nodding. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you that, know? <laughs> I can see that. It's funny because I would almost describe my wife and I in a similar way. I would tell you that I have social anxiety big time, but I'll definitely be the one that's talking to people and asking questions and getting to know them. So it's a strange combo platter. My wife is really, really quiet. Um, But at the same time, I would say she's probably more open to experiences than I am because she doesn't have the social anxiety. So it's a strange thing. I mean, I go, so these two opposites within each of us that sort of, mismatch compliment i don't know it's a strange mashup you do y'all have a similar very much so he's 10 years older than me so you know it um it even comes down to sometimes then we do have some music we like but you know like you know things like that you know it's like very yeah different you know we have one person that we're like okay we're we're gonna go to a concert and we're gonna go to this person you know other than that we have to drag <laughs> the other to the, their to the other when you, you've you know, got a decades con- difference of it, in, in exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 well so. I, I can i am like you i like a lot of the same things uh, comic book characters superheroes fantasy sci-fi action i mean i have a that's i'm pretty I guess a broad interest but if i had to tell you what makes me happy and makes me just feel good it's that kind of stuff you know that's the stuff i would rather settle into and so pop culture references are a big part of my lexicon when i'm communicating with people uh, a line from a movie or some kind of reference. Well, what I've noticed, I'm starting to feel older finally because I'm not much older than you. I'm 44, but I'll be having a conversation with somebody who's maybe in their 20s, and I'll I'll go, well, you know, and I'll say something, and I can tell. I'm like by their face, like that reference just meant when you're nothing. like nothing. Make it so, and they're like, what? So what? Yeah, so <laughs> what? Like, <laughs> seriously. You know, <laughs> for all the folks that don't know, you know what that reference is. Star Trek. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> the next generation. Oh Picard. man, so good. <laughs> You're right though. There is that that weird. I'm starting to feel that a little bit of that disconnect. You know, um, but what is kind of interesting though is is in pop culture and entertainment. Um, you're starting to see like the re, uh, resurgence of some of that old 80s stuff and they're using that as the environment for a lot of films now so there is sort of an interest so I guess to some degree um, you're seeing a, a different generation get exposed to that and, and maybe <laughs> you can have some of those little conversations but it does happen quite a bit with me I'm like ooh that, that totally did not mean anything to that person and some people will will pretend like they know what you're talking Mm -hmm. about or they'll think you said it and they'll think you're weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like why did he say that (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so it is kind of funny so that's interesting so you're you're really i don't know i just kind of love hearing that somebody becomes an artist and then just makes stuff that they like Mm mm-hmm I mean, it just, the stuff you're doing really is born right out of what you like. Yes, yes, basically. I mean, somebody the other day had posted something about how beautiful it is when you get a piece of art. Because you're not just buying the art, you're buying the person. Mm -hmm. And just listening to you talk, uh, especially about, you know, Asperger's and all of that, what you're interested in and the way you've come to your, uh, your craft 
they are when someone gets a, a print from you it's you mm-hmm. it's not just some person who had a cool idea it all gets shaped by everything that's in you it's kind of interesting i think all artists are like that you know you're not when you you know you're someone's painting a painting you know it's not just a painting you know they it it's part of them yeah sometimes the blood sweat and tears part too you know see that (laughs) that is the thing that our industry that i think is probably a little dissatisfying is that when someone gets a logo from Mm -hmm. parker brand nobody goes oren designed my logo Nobody feels that way. Nobody goes, he cared about this. He sat down and he thought about what my project was. And then he had his input and then he shaped it and, and and he sat and did it. And then now we have it. And I'm so proud to have this logo by Oren. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Nobody, nobody does that. It, I mean, at least if they do, they don't do it around here i've just not experienced that where someone has a feeling like that like i'm so proud of this it's a commodity almost it's like uh it's kind of sterilized it's a little cold it's like oh cool logo and it gets slapped on everything which is which is what it is it's just strange i don't know i i kind of envy if i'm being honest like when someone looks at your your art your photography they'll go oh such and such did this mm-hmm. or i can tell they did it and then they're very proud to have it and they'll t- they'll say well like lid i mean when she talked about you she she said your name she collaborated with you she was proud to have it she was proud to talk about the fact that you did it and uh there's something beautiful about that you know and so as a creative person on my end that's a little there's like a an invisible tear in my eye because we don't <laughs> We, the bulk of what we do creatively just doesn't have that kind of uh, feeling behind it. Um, the rare, rare, rare occasions we'll get an email. We got one, uh, in fact, yesterday. Just a couple of sentences, you know, and somebody said, just thank you. It's the first time we've worked with you. Um, it just felt great. The process was good, and we love what we got. And I, I thought how simple that email was. But I included my wife in it, and I included my other teammates in mm-hmm. it. And I was like, look, we got a a nice le- a letter. I called it a letter. It's just a couple of sentences, but it meant the world to feel that feeling. And I think creative people, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's something special about getting recognized. It's not like a pride thing, but it's just saying you see that, that, we, that there was a creative energy there. You're sort of acknowledging the creativity. It's kind of funny, embarrassing, and I don't know, all at the same time. Whenever someone buys my piece, I cry because I'm like, you really want it? Or, you know, it's like I'm yeah. shocked. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, okay. Feels like, oh, you, you love me in a way. Well, no. No, but, but you what appreciate, I appreciate, mean, you know, yeah, because I guess because I put so much yeah, that's what myself I mean. in it that You're they see it. them, but they're interpreting their own way. They're probably not even interpreting it. Yeah, but there's the way that I intended. Yeah. So they're seeing themselves in the piece versus uh, seeing me. But in a way, I mean, yeah. I guess in a way, what I mean is they. Because people don't buy art because they see me. No. But, I mean, the, but or, whatever or, or, you're doing or, to yeah, them, yeah. that is you affecting them. So yeah. in, in a weird way, it's like, 
I don't know. There's some kind. Of, there's something about love mixed in there because it's like the way a piece of art makes you feel is touching you somewhere, and so in a way you're you're transferring that to them, and they're kind of when they when they buy it, they're kind of reciprocating back that maybe not acknowledging you. They don't know they're acknowledging you, but they're acknowledging that it has value. Yeah, that has value. Yeah, yes, to them mm-hmm. in some way, and it's not just monetary. And then you feel that, that that them recognizing that it has value in, enters you somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah, I can appreciation, imagine. value. Yeah, I would. Yeah, exactly. That's the way that it's definitely put. Not necessarily monetary value. Yeah, no, that's good too. And if it makes you cry, <laughs> it makes you because it makes yeah. you feel. You're like, oh, value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, validation. Validation. Yeah. 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 That the energy that you're putting in there is validated. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a very, I don't know. I mean, I I think it's essential to humanity. I mean, we want, I don't know. I mean, I'm all about having time alone and being by yourself and, 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 and having that quiet space. But ultimately, I think we were designed to be shared, you know, and to to validate each other and to say to other people, you matter. I talk about that all the time, that that is the biggest poverty in the world beyond all the other poverties that we have. And it's that we, not all of us really know that we're valued for who we just are. All of the parts of us, the the ugly stuff, the broken stuff, and the beautiful stuff, whatever that is. I mean, it's all all the value. And I, I've, I run into so many people that don't feel valued. You know, so yeah, I can imagine. See, that's the difference, I guess, for me is I don't. I guess the commercialization and the commodity of branding and things like that. It is just a little different. It's very rare that it's seen that way. It's just uh, a monetary value. There's not a feeling of specialness. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, now I feel it. I'll I'll give you an example. I go to Natchitoches every year, twice a year for like a personal kind of getaway retreat. And there's a bar up there that I did the sign for. Now, that's, the sign is in bad disrepair. It needs a paint job and it needs to be redone completely. It's just faded and stuff. It's old, though. I mean, it's getting on 16, 17 years old. And I remember drawing it. I remember painting it. And I remember meeting with this guy when I was younger and uh, just working through it all and how proud I was. I remember what it looked like when it was brand new. So when I go up there and I see it, even though it's in disrepair, I went to eat there. He doesn't remember me and he's busy, but he's still there, the same owner. But when I go and I sit down every year, when I go and I open the menu, the same, they never, they took my sketch and used it for the menu cover. Well, they never changed it. So it's like the old, like before I even painted the sign, it's like the, the hatchy little thumbnail that touches my heart. I mean, every time I go, it's like it, it validates my actions. It validates that I existed. Uh, just nobody else walks by that sign and thinks anything about it. But when I go and have a meal there, it just says, Hey, you know, this mattered to somebody and it's, and whether these people here know it or not, it matters to them because they're using this as an identifier to come in this place. And people who live in this town who maybe this is their favorite restaurant, that 
that sign matters to them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just something powerful about knowing that what you did was worth something to somebody. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So would you say that that's uh, that's what drives you more than anything? Is that that um, that feeling? Is that always a part of what you're doing? Do you feel like on the on, you know I know you do it for because you just love the creativity of it, but is there a part of you that does what you do because you're like at some point someone's going to recognize this and someone's going to value it? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely after I'm done with the, you know, after I'm done with the piece, you know, and, you know, I've, I've really, you know, for, you know, there's really not a lot of places to show in, you know, in the, our surrounding area. So I've really tried to concentrate on trying to, you know, show in, you know, galleries better, not better galleries. That's not the word I was looking for, but just, you know, bigger gallery on bigger scale yeah, galleries. Yeah, exposed to more people. Yeah, exposed yeah. to more people that, you know, and I'm submitting to them and stuff like that. And just one time I want them to say, yeah, this is good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's for validation. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, I, I get that totally. I, I don't know. You know, if and maybe everybody who puts himself out there has some part of them that's like that. I think one of my guests, he hasn't his episode hasn't aired yet, but he talked about the feeling of being on a stage. He's a musician, you know, and then he said, when you're on a stage, you're in the music. Mm-hmm. You know, you're making it, but you're kind of in the sound that you're making. And when when an audience responds, there's no better feeling than that to look out and see people singing and dancing and their faces and that you're touching them you know that that that's a type of validation you know that what i'm doing is ma- doing matters I, I don't know i mean outside of art i think it, maybe we all need that to some degree i mean why why do you post something on facebook good news you know something that good happened to you because you want people to validate that you know hit that like button sure you know, don't you feel good whenever you're like oh yeah yeah you know? right i mean you yeah. put something out in the world and somebody mm-hmm. responds yeah i mean i could even see that i mean definitely with social media since you brought that up i mean i can see how that becomes addictive to some mm-hmm. people especially if you're if you don't have a large social network um getting a response of any kind is validation that you just exist mm-hmm you know, I mean, I sometimes wonder about that when I'm shopping and I see someone having like a uh, an interaction with a a cashier or a service person at a store, and I and I and of course with my hearing, I'm like tuned in on the, to that stuff a lot of times, and I'll see it and I'll go, this is an overreaction to what's going on. Like this is there's no way that this little thing required this much up. Uh, anger or Mm -hmm. you know just dragging everybody into it and I've always wondered if some part of that comes from just I want to feel like my opinion matters I want to feel validated I want I want everyone to know I'm here you know I've always wondered about that is there something in there I'm more important than you because I'm on this side of the counter Yeah. yeah 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 You know, just that there's a it gives us a little bit of control, a little bit of power. We can drag other people into our conversation and get other people to go, you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of not, you know, you see that mm-hmm. kind of out. It plays out all the time. And uh, I don't know, maybe and maybe I tune into that because 
I'm fascinated by it. It's it's irritating, but I'm fascinated by it at the same time because I'm like, what is this? This desire to to be seen, you know? Because uh, I ask it in my, me myself, you know. Because again, why why put yourself out there when you could not, you know? Like you could really not put your art out there, mm-hmm. right? You could just. I mean, I don't even know what the word would be for that. People, some people say, oh, well, it's just if you're not putting it out there, you're not professional. You're not a hob. You're a hobbyist. But I mean, why? Why do it? Why do you put it out there? Why don't you just do it and not put it out there? Because it took me eight hours to edit. <laughs> yeah, and somebody needs to say, "I see it." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, would that? Does you think that's important? I mean, because I'm wondering. Because I, you could just not do it. You could go. Well, I, I like taking pictures. I like creating these things. Um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody's like, you know, if you if you work on something, whether it be art or just building a bench or, you know, whatever, just say, hey, look what I did. Isn't it cool? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's basically, you like you say, validation again. Whether, you know, just a little, hey, hey, you know. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get it. I do. I mean, I can think about all the times in my life that I've done that different different experiments and different projects where I'm just going, hey, look, I, I have some value. See, see, you know. So, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that in everybody. I think I mean, I think selfie culture is just that in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Why in the world would we? I mean, I uh, like I said, I just kind of started using Instagram again and I'm amazed at how much of that there is. And I was like, wow, there is a lot of accounts that are just pictures of their face. You know, hundreds, thousands of pictures. And I thought, that's interesting that, that why would you do this? You know, I'm not saying they're bad people or anything like that. I just, it's a curious thing for me. Why would you do this? Why would you put yourself out there that many times when it's all relatively the same? And I guess it's just validation. Mm-hmm. validation that i'm admired or that i exist or that i matter for whatever it that's worth you know and i just wonder what we did before how did we um how did we get our validation before that existed you know just yeah yeah that's definitely interesting before social media how did we and i guess it would be just uh interaction interacting with people yeah. You know, just like maybe someone smiling at you or yeah. acknowledging your existence. Yeah. You know, telling you you look nice today or. Yeah. 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 Or just smiling, like you said. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk about that a, a lot on the show and in my life that the value of a friendly face or just making eye contact uh, is, I think that those things are pure gold now. Because I think that's changed so much. Um, there's so much. People are afraid of each other, um, afraid to be hurt by each other, uh, afraid if they're looking, if someone's looking at you, that they want something from you. Someone's smiling at you. That's weird, <laughs> you know. And it's it is it weird. And I've asked myself those questions. And I was like, it's not weird. It's been made to be weird. You know, there was a time when a friendly face and eye contact had great value, and I think perhaps we're probably heading back into that territory again. You know, I've noticed for me, the when I smile more and when I'm kinder and when I present myself that way as don't be afraid, 
the interaction I, I, I get is that people will latch on to you, you know, and go, oh, a safe, a safe place because we need more safe places. I would love to live in a world where everybody was safe. Yeah, hearts were safe. Too. I think it's only weird if you like really stare for a long time and smile and don't blink. <laughs> Non-blinking stares. Hey, yeah, yeah but. just yeah, but it, just even in just a glancing, uh, just in passing, you know, mm-hmm. being kind. Tom Trahan talked about the value of being kind uh, in the last episode of the show, and uh, I think he's right. I think he was onto something with that. You know, just why not try it? You know, and Lid and I even talked about that too. Yeah, he he's a great guy. He unstuck me out of an elevator. So Tom did. Yeah, so I appreciate him. Where were you stuck at it? Uh, Henning House. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it was only one story, right? Yeah, and it was on the bottom floor. So. Oh wow! <laughs> so I texted my husband. I said I'm stuck in the elevator, and he sends a laughing emoji. So oh. I'm not- sure about that <laughs> Tom, tom's a great guy and i think the that place is a reflection of him for sure mm-hmm. uh, i'm glad you like that gallery it seems like a good place for your work well we have this part of the show oh, that this makes uh, me so this nervous. part you've heard this part huh this makes you nervous i'm gonna shake them up because uh it we've makes had a, me so nervous. just keep this in mind you don't have to answer the question maybe the question itself just generates some conversation mm-hmm. so you're not alone in it but you don't uh, have anything easy like what's your favorite movie year yeah well there might be in there i don't know <laughs> Which would be a hard question. Well, like actually. one of like this, one of these stickers. Oh, on. I can't. That's right, I can't. That's all right. Sorry. All right, so let's go with the first one. Oh, it's a good one actually. What? How did your upbringing shape you? Um, how did my upbringing shape me? Well, um, I had typical mom, dad, me. I had a I have an older sister. She's like six years older than me, and they were able to just let me be me. Yeah. You know, crazy imagination. You know, I spent um, a lot of my times outdoors imagining that I was She-Ra or She-Ra. Yes. You know, or just, you know, you know, basically my work, you know, just imagination fantasy did you yeah. live in the y'all live in the country or in no town? we live in town um sunset acres is what yeah. they called it okay. um yeah we lived in town so just a lot of times outdoors i grew up um you know in the 80s yeah so 80s cartoons i got so excited when um i heard when you were danny were talking about the dungeon and dragons cartoon oh yeah i was like what I hadn't thought of that in a while <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, but so I basically had one foot, you know, in the fantasy world and the, you know, other foot, you know, I would read a lot, too. Did you? Oh, a lot. Did you start reading at an early age? Like, yeah, I was about the, I had difficulty reading um, when I was young. And so I had to go to like a special class to help with reading. And then after that, I got hooked and just never stopped. Did you ever read Choose Your Own Adventure books? Yes. Oh, man, I miss those so bad. I tell my son about them all the time. They still have them. Really? Yeah, at Books A Million, but they're, because I got some for my son, but um, they're, 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 yeah, I used to like the fantasy ones. I would. I told him. I said, "Mine. I think they're still out of a box in my shed." I uh, I would reread them and like say, "Oh, well, I, I did this in the last one. I'm going to change it." You know. Yeah. Don't get caught in quits. Quicks quicksand yeah you right, always right. get caught in quicksand oh man i love those things <laughs> i had stacks of those i mean i could sit there and just pour through those man mm-hmm. yeah the 80s was just a, I, I talk about it a lot with my my kids because the, he's fascinated 
buy it because it's so different now. I mean, the world has just completely changed. I, I told him that. I said, well, you know, you, you were left to your own devices a lot more. You had a lot more time in your own head, I think, than we do now. Um, there was not a, an outlet immediately that you could just go plug into with like a device or something. I mean, God, not even 10, 15 years ago was it like that. And I also think that, you know, my dad, um, he had two, he, you know, every man probably wants boys. And, you know, he had two girls, but he didn't necessarily, um, you know, he showed us boys stuff. Like I shot a bow and arrow. My sister shot a bow and arrow, you know, and I think that kind of, you know, brought us up to be strong women. Sure. But not, you know, you know, I was a tomboy, but I also played with Barbies, too. Yeah. You know, kind of thing. Well, so it, was it a wasn't nice like mixture. you probably thought anything about that. No. Yeah. See, I believe that, too. I, I think that there's that's sort of a polarized thing, like where we have to throw people into one camp or another. I was always a more sensitive little boy, but I liked playing in the woods and I liked a lot of things guys like too, but there were things that I didn't like and places where I was more sensitive, you know, nobody thought anything of it. Nobody said anything. Oh, he's sensitive and labeled me. And, you know, I'm glad, but I think maybe I worry about the world now because immediately it's like, Oh, you must be this way. You Mm -hmm. must be that way. And you get thrown into these camps. I'm hoping that we can get past that now. And, uh, we're, we'll just have, I think it's wonderful when somebody has a lot of different traits and they can do a lot of different things. Yeah, and I find myself, I guess because of that, being drawn to uh, a lot of strong women characters in oh, movies yeah. and TV series and I want to portray, you know... Who, who are you drawn to? Give me an example like um, in something that you're like, oh, I love this character. Um, I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right on, um, okay. My son is actually named after a character. Oh, uh, really? What's his name? Xander. That's my sister's uh, boy's name, and he's also named after oh, Xander from Buffy. High five to her, man. Yeah, she was a Buffy fan. My yeah. goodness. Yeah, I mean, anything jo- uh, Joss Whedon does, you know. Um, did he- you like Firefly? Yes, I did. Oh, I'm a brown yeah. coat. Can Heck we you just are. I'm a brown coat, fi- too. Can we just high five? I'm Shiny. telling you. Yeah. Yes. And um, matter of fact, my daughter is, we're watching Buffy together. She's nine. Now, I have to be careful obviously she's about to turn 10 so i can only go up to a certain amount of time because then it's a little you know too much but um you know it's important to show i you know to show her strong women characters sure you know yeah like that you know you know ripley from aliens and right on you know just like just you know movies and tv shows i just xena yeah, was a huge Xena warrior princess. Yeah, man. just like re- like that's that's my jam. So, do you find that uh, in in modern entertainment, have you found any characters that you'd say are good? Um, I don't know. That kind of represent that for you. Yeah, I guess like Black Wid- Widow and yeah, you know and Marvel, Avengers, yeah. and I'm excited about you know Captain Marvel coming sure, out. Sure, that looks know, fantastic. The first yeah. you know female led. Um, well, uh, there was Wonder Woman. Yeah, you know, I which thought that was we, good. Yeah, yeah, I really liked Wonder Woman. I like her as Wonder Woman. So you know, I'd say in modern. Um, yeah, I mean, those are more like the fantasy type, sure. type shows. Yeah, they're but, archetypes, um, though. I mean, yeah. I always wonder. I look around for that now. I have asked that question to myself. Like, are there are there heroes like what I, what really attracted me as a kid? You know, like the ones, it's like, see, for me, it's interesting because you, you and I sound like we have a lot of the same entertainment taste. For me, I remember going to watch um, Superman 
when I was a kid, you know, the Richard Donner one with Christopher Reeve. And so I, that was really my hook. I mean, reading my dad's comics and then watching those types of films when I was a kid. But that one really stuck with me. I loved Superman for a big chunk of my life. But then I kind of laid it down for a lot of years. I really didn't enjoy any of that stuff. I was so busy trying to be an adult that I just left a lot of my childhood behind. And then when I, I got really excited when they were doing the Man of Steel movie. And so I got really fired up. I was like, oh, this looks really great. When I went and watched that, I was like, oh, wow. Something's not, this isn't what I thought. And I realized I kind of made a little special place for this ideal superhero, this person that represented like good values and was just kind and just and yet still powerful. And what I see saw happening in the more modern films is it was more violent. Really, it was just destruction and violence yeah, and more focus ending, on the power. Yeah, that ending fight scene. I think a lot of people have a, had a lot of problem with that um, because of, of what you're saying. You know, is Superman is supposed to be the ultimate good. You know, yeah, he doesn't like kill. Someone that's ultimately powerful but doesn't use that power yeah, to that. Yeah, he just yeah. doesn't kill. It's Superman just strange. Doesn't. And the fact that they went that way... Um, I think a lot of people have had a problem with that. Yeah, sure. I, I did for sure. I was struck by it. Actually, if I'm being honest <laughs> and my wife remembers this, she's like, you were kind of depressed about that. I was like, oh, yeah, I felt like and I got sound like all the people on the Internet right now. But I felt like my childhood had just kind of been stomped all over by people who didn't get it. That's what it felt like. So I don't know. But some people loved it. So, you know, yeah, I, know. I just I, and I think. You know, the DC movies versus the Marvel movies. Me and my husband were having this conversation the other day because he's a huge Iron Man fan. So, you know, the the movies is that it seems like the Marvel movies, the characters have more of human qualities. Sure, they're people. They're people with flaws, and but they're still, you know, good. Yeah. You know, and it's just in DC's more... They just—it's just kind yeah, of depressing. A little more heavy-handed archetypes versus yeah. just like bumpy people. Yeah, we went and saw Aquaman a couple of, well, last week, I think, and uh, I enjoyed it because it was the first one of those movies where I went, "Oh, they—they they lightened this up a lot." The character was. They more, saw Guardians of the Galaxy and went. Hmm. <laughs> it was Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> underwater. Is what I—I I, I enjoyed it though. I was like, I left the theater feeling happier Mm -hmm. and brighter and i was like yeah there was some violence and stuff in there but i felt just like i watched a comic book movie i was like that's Mm -hmm. what i think i just want i want it to just be fantastical and fun i don't need it i don't need deep-seated anxiety you know Mm -hmm. in in the character no i like that from time to time but not for every character you know yeah that's interesting i mean did your was your um did your family like that kind of entertainment did your dad like sci-fi movies and my dad was is was really into the action movies. Yeah, like, like what? You know, like what just, was something he you can go? Dad loved just loved cowboys this. and then just action. Yeah, you know? like Die Hard, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he would probably like that. Um, he might have been more like the Death Wish Charles Bronson <laughs> era, you know, like but pre. Yeah, yeah. He did like a lot of westerns and just kind of action, just anything that had like t- like predator predator oh, you know yeah, 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 you know yeah. and terminator and stuff <laughs> yeah. you know stuff like that so yeah just action but um yeah yeah, yeah. so i just wonder because for mm-hmm. me my my i think the reason i was into that is because my dad was into it i mean he would watch like aliens you brought aliens up i remember 
going into the living room and he was watching aliens and i was like what is this and i just sat down and watched it with him and it became one of my favorite films i was like this was so much fun this blend of horror and science fiction so a lot of my uh, and then, of course, Dad opens a video store, and I mean, I, I can't. I gotta be I honest. I would have lost my mind. Oh, my whole life was movies for so long. I mean, movies were just a part of it, and I didn't realize what I had. I'm, I mean, really and truly, it's only now when I reminisce or when I meet people that remember those times. They remember going to the video store where I go, man, I was really, really blessed and lucky. And what a wonderful experience that was to be in sort of buried in every grade of movie, a movies down to the worst, like the cheapest sci-fi horror films, you know? Yeah. And I, I have a very unusual, weird obsession with movies. Like and from the littlest, like little, so what I used to do for fun, for fun, was you remember the TV guide? <laughs> <laughs> remember the TV guide? Okay. Yeah. Well, at the end of the TV guide, they would list the movies from A to Z. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So little synopsis, who was and who starred in it. Yeah. I would read that. <laughs> and when we'd get a new TV guide, I'd, I would get so excited. I'm like, where's the TV guide? So, and then... So that grew, as I got older, I would would check out at the library like Leonard Maltin's DVD guide. Oh wow! That really? was like, you know, huge. Was, you could kill someone with that book. So it listed all the DVDs from A to Z, and I'd read that. That's awesome. And all that information has kept in my head. That's so funny. So my husband can tell you this. And the first time that I did this, he was flabbergasted but if anything comes now anything that comes on to now before like the 70s now y'all gotta give me some something you know but like from the 80s on if something comes on tv and it's a movie within 10 seconds i can tell you what it is sure and but the the thing is is i don't have to have seen the movie because you read yeah because i I read the synopsis yeah and who who's in it that's funny i can relate to that because of working at the video store Mm -hmm. we my dad was (laughs) guy he was so hard on us about keeping those shelves clean and when movies came in when people would check them in it was very important especially on friday saturday night that we get them returned and back out on the shelf so we were constantly like my mind was cued in on what was on those boxes the the picture and then who's in the box who it is he organized things by category but he also had us organize it by the production company so back you remember Coralco and universal and tristar entertainment whatever it was we had everything in category and then each thing was by the production company and then also by the title so your mind, as this, as a kid, my mind's like cued into all that stuff. And I'm like you. There are tons of films that I'll go, oh, I know what that is. I never watched it. But mm-hmm. because I touched that box all the time and I could tell. My buddy Dan, who worked with me there, we were laughing about it not too long ago. How we still remember 
the production company of some of these movies. I'm like, that is nuts. There's no reason we should know that. Useless. That's what I call it. <laughs> useless information. This yeah. is completely useless information that I have that will never benefit me in my entire life. But, but you I, got it in there. But it is in there. And I just love I like it. That. And now I have MIDB. Oh, yeah, right. So you so, can look up whatever. What? I mean, and movie trailers on demand on YouTube. What? Yeah. You know, that's like my one of my favorite pastimes. Don't ask me why. I don't know. Sure. But it's just like it's this weird obsession that I have that is like I get that, I eat, you know, and like you talk about the movie covers. There's like iconic movie covers that I just remember, you know, like Carrie. Sure. You know, that that's is my like, son's. My 15-year-old son, that is his favorite movie, the the old and the new. His room is horror movie posters, and he's got this awesome uh, Japanese. It was the Japanese uh, movie poster for Carrie, the original. So cool. And I'm like, man, that's so whack that I remember that doggone movie poster. That movie box. Well, it was iconic. I mean, yeah. that's an iconic image. Yeah, I just have all these, you know, just that's... rows of going down. It just stuck in my brain, you know. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. I don't think. I think sometimes again, I think I've under I undervalued what that was doing and what that did in my childhood, and only now again, especially when I talk to my son because he's very interested in certain genres and he'll, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, well I remember when this came out." Like we were um the trailer for the new Pet Cemetery was mm-hmm. at the uh was played the other day at the movies. And I I had already seen it, but he was watching it and when they camera pans back and says Pet Cemetery, his eyes got really big. He's like, "Oh, Pet Cemetery." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, they're remaking it." And so it's neat to I don't know, get to see things kind of make another generational round, you know. Mhm. That's awesome. I, I don't know. I love talking about that subject, honestly. We could probably talk about movies yeah, we all could, day. We could talk about really. All day. Well, let's get on to your next question. I'm very curious to. Uh, oh, okay. What is the first thing people typically notice about you? Um, probably depends on like my day job or just out and about. <laughs> What's your day job? Um, I run the gift shop and coffee shop in St. Patrick's Hospital. Really? And also the gift shop in Lake Area Hospital. You know, I've shopped at the gift shop at St. Patrick's Hospital. I probably have seen you there. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I, I used to go to, uh, they had the little chapel upstairs, St. Mm-hmm. Raphael's, and I used to go every Friday there. And I would, when it would be like a holiday or someone's birthday, I'd usually stop by the gift shop. I guess they probably, well, let's say not at my day job. Let's say just out and about. Probably how nervous I seem all the time. <laughs> Do you seem nervous? You know, I don't know when you first got here. I maybe picked up a little nervousness, but we jumped right in, so mm-hmm. I didn't uh, didn't have time to let yeah, it live. Yeah, the way that you did it was perfect, because didn't, I didn't have time to have any kind of meltdown. I was close. <laughs> Tears were coming. Really? Mm-hmm. Was, that, was it that close? Mm-hmm. That's, well, I'll say this. I didn't pick up on that yeah yeah Yeah. that's why i asked for a bottle of water because i was trying to give myself some time to compose compose. well you did really good is that something you've gotten good at um like yeah like on the way over here i had i listened to like my favorite music yeah just like playlist and that just helps you know calm me yeah 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 that's that's interesting i um 
believe it or not, I feel a lot of that too, uh, because especially with somebody I really don't know. And mo- what's crazy is most of the people who've come on here, I don't know. So I understand that. I probably, I don't know what I'd say. The first thing people notice is maybe, huh. well, I'll ask you, what was the first thing you noticed? Um, that I could tell you were a, ge- a genuine person, like genuinely. And you could tell that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, see, of course, I'll, I've listened to almost all the podcasts too, so I did so have, have a, I had know. a pre, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, like with you, I when I opened the door, the first thing I noticed was that you had things for me to look at, which yeah. I like that. Yeah, I was like, oh, good, I got this is um, uh, secondary media because a lot of this is a listening show. So when I get to see something, um, Ben Von Duke, he had brought his portfolio mm-hmm. too, so it was nice after the show to just sit and look at his art, and I was like. Mm-hmm. It's just like you said, and not to jump way off track of the original question, but it was nice to look at the tangible work. I mean, I could go on his pages and his website and look at that or his uh, social media and look at it, but to actually have the pages and flip through them, I just felt like, I don't know, more present, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I saw that. That was the first thing I noticed, but of course, obviously you're not carrying that, your your work around with you everywhere you go. (laughs) No, I have some business cards, but yeah. Do you do that whenever you meet people? Do you just say, "Well, you know, I'm a photographer," and I do you hand them a card? No, because I don't want them calling me about their family pictures. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no offense, but no, I get it. I do. I don't do that. There's like, I will do it for my sister, and that's about it. I understand. That's funny. I you know? did senior pictures for my niece, my sister and uh my sister's daughter and 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 they turned out nice i mean i liked them but i don't do that you know i really don't know? do that <laughs> i mean I, i'm doing my sister's uh boys tomorrow both yeah. of them at the same time because you, you love her yeah that's what it is that's love you do yeah, it because you love, love. Her. that's love but that's i'd why rather I stick myself too. a fork in my eye i'm like Oof. yeah my sister and i were laughing because we were out at the park and it was a pretty day the day we shot and you know, she had like four outfit changes and, you know, and I I told her, I was like, well, I'm not going to have anybody with me, so I'm going to need somebody to hold the bounce card because the light was just all over the place that day. It was hot, bright, and then we get cloudy. I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to be running around fighting the light. Um, but the pictures turned out good and my sister was like, you could probably do good doing this on the weekend. I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm not making belittling anybody who does. There's some people that love doing it. I just, I, I, it wasn't so much the shooting that I think I would not like. I was like, I just can see this going poorly. Someone not liking the way I framed something or just getting so particular to the point where you're just like, okay, this took every ounce of joy I felt out of it. So I, I'm with you. I feel that. It's like you said, stab a fork in my eye, <laughs> Whew. or in my one good ear. <laughs> and there are a couple, of, and I'm racking my brain for the other lady's name. And but there's a couple of photographers in town that I follow that just are absolutely amazing. And one of them, I don't know if you've heard her, it's like Mad Hat Productions. Um, or something. I think her name is Madison Hartley. Wow, that's I all I gotta say. You know, I thought I haven't. 
yes, I have seen her work. And I'll tell you, it's been years since I've, I've really got good eyes on it. But I think it might have even been when she was a student. Uh, she was in the student Addie's Addie Awards, and I had went to do the judging for that one year, and her work work was in there. It was really good. I can't remember the other lady's name, and I feel terrible right now. But yeah. I follow them on Instagram, and I'm just in awe. Well, there's some wonderful portrait photographers mm-hmm. in Lake Charles. Um, Dan Lee Romero's really good. He does a lot of work for a lot of magazines now. I mean, I can always yeah, tell. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I do know who that is. You can tell his work. I mean, now that's what I do think is interesting. There are some photographers... Where I go, well, I wouldn't be able to tell you that was theirs. Um, your work, because of what you're doing, really stands out. I can go, oh, that's probably your work. Now I'm even more cued in on it since I've been really focusing in trying to get to pre-know you. And uh, then uh, with Danley, I don't know what it is about his work. And I've, I've never worked with him. But you can spot it. It's the lighting. I mean, he, he, and I've heard this from other people that he's very particular with the way he lights things and that he's, it may t- even take a little while to get the lighting just the way he wants it. And I was like, well, it shows because you can spot it for sure. Now, I don't know about, I've seen some of his work where it's like food photography. That's a little harder to me to spot who's what, but the way he lights people's skin, uh, there's something, I don't know, I don't know what he's doing, but it's special. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I when I first meet you and I've only met you the one time. The first thing I would say was that I, maybe I could pick up that you were a little nervous. But you do you if you were as nervous as you said you were, you managed that like a champ because <laughs> yeah. I guess that just melted away really mm-hmm. quickly. Yeah, slightly on the verge of a meltdown. But, oh my uh, god, that's incredible! I want you know I'm wondering how many people are walking around like that though. Because I hear it from everybody. Yeah. I mean, that everybody's got... Um, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to Tom's episode, but Tom said the same thing. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, would, did that surprise you to hear? Um. Yeah, because he is such a public figure. It yeah. surprised me that um, he was nervous, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was very nervous. Yeah. Lid said the same thing. Yeah. You know? Uh, ben said the same thing. And so I just I start to go, okay, how many people feel this way? And are just managing it mm-hmm. like right on the edge of like something's right there behind the eyes, just ready to, to cry. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I felt that way. I've shut down big chunks of my life because of that stupid social anxiety, man. Mm-hmm. There's things I probably would have just enjoyed, but I could not get out of my own head to do it. Oh, this one looks long. Uh oh. <laughs> scared. Look at this. This is right up your alley. Okay. No, I'm not kidding. You couldn't have picked a better question. Have you ever watched a movie that inspired you to change something in your life? No, but I've watched a movie that's inspired me. It's just inspired me. What is it? A Memoirs of a Geisha. I've never seen it. Which is actually what that piece is. There's really? A, yeah. Oh, the, the one we were talking the, about. Yeah, the one with the geisha in it. There's a scene. Well, the whole movie is is absolutely shot beautifully. Really? I mean, it's just amazing. Um, God, I can remember the guy who directs it. Directed, I, I know the guy who directed it, but I cannot think of his name right now. Of course. But... Um, there's a scene where she does a snow dance. Uh-huh. She well, it's on a stage and it's um about um 
a girl who lost her lover and she wants to kill herself or something like that. That's and the, she, the plot of the, the, the plot of the dance oh, that oh, she's okay. doing. Gotcha. And um, she has a red umbrella and she's dancing and it's uh, and then at the end the snow starts to fall. And I just love the scene of that that movie and I'm like I've got to capture that in a photograph. And so that's what that inspired you to mm-hmm, do that piece. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. so so definitely is that a is that a style that you would do again in a different way like maybe another or is that one of these things where it's like I just did this one? Well, I think sure. just that one because that one's based on um, that scene and and I also you know in the it's weird I have to bring this up but in the world that we live today cultural appropriation oh yeah. You know, I, I mean, I know you can't see my face in the picture, which right. I do a lot. You know, you can't see my face because I want you to interpret it. But I'm basically, you know, portraying a geisha. Sure. Right. And I, I don't want to, f- you know, offend anyone. I mean, I don't know. That's a, yeah, it's yeah, like I, a fine line. But I love, you know, that culture. and Yeah, I understand that because mm-hmm. I... There are several cultures that I've really loved to study, and I and I mean they're represented. I mean a lot of those things are around here in our mm-hmm. in my office. I love mm-hmm. the artwork and a lot of the religious symbolism symbols in Catholic culture, um, but I also love Tibetan culture quite a bit. And if you look around here, you're going to see a mix of both things. I mean in various formats, and even some of my my spiritual practices come from both worlds. Mm-hmm. When I'm doing something that comes from Tibetan beliefs or culture, I've wondered sometimes like that, like prayer flags. I'll give you a great example. You know, the colored prayer flags that people hang, you know, red, yellow, blue, green, and they have like prayers written on them. Well, those mean a lot to those people's beliefs. I mean, if you go up into the Himalayas, you're going to see prayer flags everywhere. It's important. It's not a novelty. We've made it. Now you can go on the internet and buy some prayer flags and hang, hang it up. And I think that those can be seen as sort of like hippie culture. You know, and I hate to throw that out there like that, mm-hmm. but that would be like people going, oh, prayer flags, whatever. They just, it's just a decor. But my family and I, we hang prayer flags in our oak tree. And I do. I think sometimes people are like, why do you have those up there? But we don't hang them until we've all had a chance to think about what they mean. What do we want to pray for? What do we want to go out into the world? So there's some thought that goes into that before we hang them. So when we see the wind blowing through them, it really does mean something to us. But on the outside, I do worry that someone, I hate to say it, but I do, I go, the same thing you're talking about, I go, Oh, they're just, you know, they're nov- making novel something that yeah, means I mean, something it, to somebody like, else. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I'm not, it, to me, as long as you're not, to me, as long as you're not making fun of the culture. Yeah, you know well, what I'm you're saying? honoring if you're, if you're honoring it or appreciating it or showing that you're showing your love yeah, for it. homage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I made that piece, that piece is a, a couple of years old, so it wasn't necessarily thrown you know, well, that term thrown yeah. out as much as it is now. And I thought about it after it had been on. I was like, ooh, maybe I need to think that through a little bit. But then I was like, no, uh, because this is directly that. inspired right. by that scene. Sure. I think you're, I think, you know, you're probably being sensitive, which I am too, 
to what what that's a response to what's going on in the world because mm-hmm. look it, it's the difference like if you dressed up in some traditional native american garb and you did a nice piece that was an homage or something with your style and you did you know some triple exposure stuff and like made a cool scene and you're like hey i'm not native american but i did this piece and i did it out of respect that's hugely different than opening up sports illustrated swimsuit edition and there's a blonde haired blue eyed girl you know in a bikini wearing a chief native mm. american chief's headdress and i think that might to me i see that as maybe miss you know misappropriating someone else's uh culture yeah. i don't again that's judgmental I, but that's just what i'm those are the only things i can think of the huge difference between those two things so yeah i get that I, I worry about it too though especially when we're doing design work here you know if we're doing especially in louisiana we we a lot of the clients we work for are hypersensitive to uh making sure everyone is represented and that's very 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 difficult i've almost become less of a fan of forced um um inclusiveness i mean i'm all for inclusiveness but forced inclusiveness to me seems very inauthentic you know it's like well there's not enough i hate to say it but there's not enough um there's too many white people in this picture or there's too many black people in this picture uh, or there aren't enough um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We get that all the time in advertising, like making sure everything's tailored. And when I look at a lot of the things that I, that are produced, I go, well, that's not actual reality. You know, this this isn't what we're seeing when we're shooting these pictures. So I get wanting to send a message out there, but I don't know. I would worry about the same things. We, we definitely worry about it. Do you like those films like um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? So I know it's a very famous book, but visually it's very stunning. Yeah, right. That's why I brought it up because it has some of those sensibilities mm. of uh, stark contrast, no, lots I mean, of color. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but yeah, I've, I've seen that. But, um, you know, I like any, I, I like, you know, the guy that just did um, the fish movie. <laughs> The fish movie. Uh oh, <laughs> I don't know what. I that cannot is. believe I'm so embarrassed because I'm like I'm a movie expert. And I cannot, uh, I'm just good. on the spot. On the uh, spot. Fish I'm like, movie. I don't the, know what the one. one that got um um nominated for the Oscar last year. Oh, the um, Shape of Water. Yeah, the Shape yeah, of Guillermo Water. Del Toro. Guillermo, yeah, I was trying to say Guillermo del Toro, but yeah, I that, cannot say I like his, his name properly. Yes, he like he's like a visually stunning director. Yes, absolutely. You Man, know, and, you... yeah. So like anything, you know, like that. Those types of movies, those are very inspiring. Yeah, I know? totally agree. Actually, my daughter really likes him too. For Christmas, she got. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but they have a big book of his work. Like his, it's all his notes and sketches mm-hmm. and things like that. I wanted to read it because I was like, "Oh man, he is visually stunning." Like the character creation is just so unique, and the color. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I like that kind of stuff. I think sometimes we want people want to go for hyper real, and I love things that are just fantastical and just lots of color. And that's what I see in his work. You know, just a lot of color play. In fact, my son, my littlest boy, we watch, he, he has two animated series on Netflix, Trolls and Three Below. 
and he's sort of creating a whole animated universe over there. And so if you like his work and you haven't seen those, you'd probably dig them. They're really creative and you'll get and you get to see a lot of the same character design and just fun world building stuff going on in those. Do you have a favorite uh since we talked about movies and I just want to know do you have a favorite science fiction movie or like fantasy film that you're like this is my favorite? This is the one I go to if I had to pick one. I can't pick just one. Now, you know I like Serenity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but you kind of have to be in the, you know, in the fam, the Firefly fam yeah. to really Man, appreciate that. Man, I miss that. that show so much. That was yeah. such a good time. Yeah. As a world that just felt like home. But just like the Alien series. I mean, how yeah. can you, you know, go, well, the first one, the second one, how can you really go wrong with that? You know, and just, you know, love Terminator. Yeah. You know, um, you know, those type of things. Yeah. 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 Those were cutting. At the times those come out, they were just so different. They just jarred themselves into your brain. To me, they just wedged right in, especially Terminator and Aliens. Those two just touch and Predator. Those are kind of just in a specific like horror science fiction genre. That was sort of a, to me, it was a new thing. Impractical effects. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's just a, a whole just practical effects versus you know all this seat which is crazy because i photoshop yeah but you know (laughs) talk about hypocritical but you know is there something about you know it really being there you know and yeah yeah no i get it i i feel that way sometimes i'm amazed by by special effects computer generated effects um, like Guardians of the Galaxy. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. Those are great. But I think what it is is because they're leaning so heavy on the characters and the way they've built them up that I'm not... The special effects are there, and I know it, those artists just work their butts off to produce that stuff. Like the old Jim Henson, uh, you know, like the Dark Crystal yeah, Labyrinth. Yeah, you know they're doing that now? Yeah, yeah, they're doing a prequel on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, and they're supposed to use practical That's right. effects, so yeah. But you're right, Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, those mm-hmm. are in a, a different... No, they wouldn't make those movies now. Mm-mm. It would all be CGI characters. Mm-hmm. And who knows, I won't be surprised if uh, that doesn't happen someday, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I have a few remakes that I've thought, eh, I didn't really care for these because of the, and it's weird, the effects just took me out of it, mm-hmm. you know, but then you're right, the old practical effects really just stuck with you. They were a little scarier. It felt mm-hmm. like, ugh, it could really, do you ever watch horror movies or were you ever, was that ever in your, uh, um, I, I do watch horror movies. I read a lot about horror movies <laughs> <laughs> yeah. once again. And watch uh, trailers, so that's why I knew that Pet Th- Cemetery was coming yeah, out. Yeah, right, um, right. He has three. Uh, Stephen King has three movies that are coming out this uh, year. One calling the Tall Grass, which is made, which is based on a novella that he wrote, and you got Pet Cemetery and it Chapter Two. Oh yeah, they are doing that. That's right. I'd read that somewhere. I I haven't seen the remake of it yet. So me either. We well, a lot of times, my wife and I, we um, we love watching TV and movies together. We have a lot of the same interests, and um, a lot of times we'll not watch those things because our kids are around. It's and hard. I, with I'm kids. like, hey, I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah. Scary. It's gonna freak them out. I really liked, um, I don't know if this is more like suspense, but in The the Quiet Place. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed that. And um, Bird Box was pretty good. But I liked I, it. I, I liked in um, The Quiet Place. 
a little bit better than Bird Box. I did too. I did yeah. too. My husband really doesn't like horror movies too much, so I kind of, um, like I said, read about them more than anything. So. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was a kid, it was more, I mean, and I guess every generation's got their own thing, but for me, I liked horror movies. I liked horror characters. Like, I liked Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and just other characters like that. What I have seen, and now I don't really watch a lot of horror, is it's not as character-driven or, or main or one villain-driven. Now it's a lot of torture, kill, like and para- dis- it's also paranormal, leaning towards the paranormal more now. Have yeah, you yeah, there's like- a lot more spirit stuff, and mm-hmm. I don't like. Um, I hate this. I don't know what to call it, but I always call it like torture kill movies, mm-hmm. like, you know, Hostel and mm-hmm. Saw and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm like, yeah, this just isn't, to me, it's just different. I don't know why it's different, but I know it's all ultimately the same <laughs> gross stuff, but there was just something a little more disturbing about it psychologically. And uh, I don't know. I just like those archetype characters, those just big, like, leather face and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. I've seen, yeah, all the 80s uh, horror movies. You know, I had an older sister, so that kind of helped. Yeah. That uh, uh, that, uh, aspect of watching all those things. So. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because I I hear a lot of that now, and then it's not a new subject, but saying that, you know, entertainment um, makes people more violent and games makes people more violent and stuff. And I think. On one hand, I would go, Ooh, you know, maybe there's, they're right about that. But then I have to go, okay, take a minute and look at your own childhood. And I go, well, I watched some crazy crap, crazy horror movies. And I mean, I grew up around any type of movie. I mean, I wanted to watch. Did it? I haven't done anything crazy. Yeah. You know, so I go, I don't know. I, I have to wonder if it's that or if it's just the person. I mean, you can't take that off the table, I guess. But uh, I do think that there's something being said about being desensitized. Maybe you so, know? yeah. And, and not necessarily movies. Um, I think it's more of like the real life things that you can see on the Internet, mm, you know, nowadays. Yeah, right. You I know, gotcha. real videos. Consumption of, of actual violence. Actual, actual violence. Yeah. yeah being you know desensitized because i even find myself being desensitized to certain things that yeah. you you see on the news and stuff like that it used to shock me and now sure it doesn't in, anymore well yeah i mean i talk about this on an ep- on one episode with uh paul gonsalon and uh i talked about this national geographic that really affected me when i was like eight years old and that stuck with me and still to this day has it changed my life truly it changed my brain what i read in that magazine and it just never left me and it was real human tragedy you know and it was one thing one magazine with one real human tragedy that just stuck around my whole life i watched thousands of horror movies that didn't do that so you're right i think that overconsumption of this real human tragedy and real pain and suffering can really it can either drive you into it could drive you into a depression You know, I think that's partly getting back to this show. I mean, it's kind of the whole point of this show is like, hey, you know, there's good people out there dealing with hard things, still trying to do good stuff. So if we focus on that a little bit more, we don't have to, you know, tune into all of this craziness that's out there. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe day by day, we can all get a little bit better. I listen to mostly podcasts um, in the car. Yeah, me too. 
I do. Um, have you listened to Horror and Hops? Not yet. I'm actually, I put it in my my oh, favorites the other day. I'm going to start listening to it. I love them. Yeah, that's what you I heard. You have a fan if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's good. It is good. It is good. The, the Heredity episode is, is, is um, legendary. As I understand the format is that one of the one of the people on the show doesn't watch horror movies, mm-hmm. right? Yes, yeah, right. so they kind of react and, to Yeah, and they have him recap it. So he's kind <laughs> of steering along the but they throw in some facts and stuff, which I love because sure. I'm like, Yeah, give me more facts about movies. Um, so yeah, um some of the stuff I've seen, some of it I I haven't seen, but I don't mind, you know. Yeah. So, because I probably won't watch it anyway, but uh, yeah, it's great. Well, there's something like that. I love, I love things like that where you can, it almost helps you to enjoy the show a little bit more. A lot of times my wife and I will watch something together and then we'll sit and talk about it and go, okay, what did you take away from that? And what did I take away? And then we'll go, after we've done that, then we'll go look it up and go, what are people online saying about this? To see if we're even close to Mm -hmm. the general consensus. Uh but yeah, that that's a lot of fun. I think film can be fun. I mean, it doesn't. If anything, it, to me, it's just a stimulator. You can think about it. I, I don't. I like to watch some things for just the joy of it and just take it on face value alone. And then other things, I love to just sit and think about. I mean, I love it when a movie sticks around. I'm thinking about it for days and days and days. Yeah. Well, um, so if people want to find you and get in touch with you or buy your art yeah what's the best way for that to happen i have a facebook page it's heather orsamal photography and i'm on instagram um heather orsamal and i do have a little Etsy shop that has a few prints on it um so you can find that through um my uh, facebook page heather orsamal photography so but that's mostly like my local stuff you know the the King Kong and the other stuff, and, yeah. and and a couple other little things. Okay, well we'll put links to all of that in the um, description of the show. Do you have anything coming up, like where you're going to have your work presented, or you, what's what's your next big project that you have planned? Um, I like I said, I'm sending um, thing call for artists. Mm-hmm. So you go you go online, you look for a call for artists, and you send your proposal to the different galleries. And um, each one of those costs money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I have to be kind of, uh, you know, try to figure out which one's worth it and stuff like that. So I've been trying to look for a gallery to represent me. And other than that, just hopefully make some more. Yeah. So. Well, you're yeah. doing it. You, the one thing that I think is really awesome is that you're doing it. You're not just making the pieces to sell. That's a, that's a great validation, but you're doing it for the joy of it you know i I love that i I don't ever lose that for sure i'm trying and and the whole reason that i'm trying to sell some things on se is to make money to be able to send stuff for galleries you know what i'm saying so it's all going back into into the thing and um another thing that i have coming well i'm gonna try to work on this year is i want to go back to the old traditional photography um, it's uh, called Sinograph. Okay. And um, you make di- you make negatives, so you can make digital negatives. Well, okay. obviously back then they had regular negatives, but you can make digital negatives and use the sun to expose your digital negatives. Oh, you're gonna do that? I'm gonna try. That's cool. Which is going completely opposite of what I do. Well, you're experimenting. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, who knows where you're gonna land? 
And who knows? It may may never may never land anywhere. May I just... might hate it. I might say no. Yeah. I love my Photoshop too much. I love my editing too much. But I'm, I, I'm. You know what I'm trying to figure out? Do I love photography, or do I love the end result? Mm. And I think I already know the answer, but I'm still gonna explore. That's wonderful. Just keep exploring. Yeah. Yeah. I love you just.